Need a good night's sleep? Casper can help. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. That's casper.com slash RFR. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, makers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents Star Wars Oxygen. Music of John Williams. Red Five, I'm going in. Like Star Wars itself, the music in the film defied conventional wisdom. At a time when disco was burning up the charts, having a traditional symphonic soundtrack was another huge risk on Lucas's part. He really understood the genre that I was talking about. It's a group of composers that weren't that well looked upon in the 70s. There was a different attitude toward the old-fashioned symphonic and the scores. And I had a lot of music in the movie. Hey, Star Wars fans. Jimmy Mack here with you, and welcome to Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams. That's right, you got it locked and loaded on Rebel Force Radio's monthly look and listen to the work of the maestro in all seven, yes, seven films of the Star Wars saga. We're going through them all, and we've been through them all. We're going to continue to talk more about The Force Awakens and who knows what else this time around on the 30th volume of Star Wars Oxygen. The man who makes it all possible each and every time is our good friend here at Rebel Force Radio, musician, actor, video game industry veteran, host of the Star Wars Celebration digital stage, and Star Wars friend to all, it's David Collins. <laughs> wow, what an intro. What an intro. They keep getting longer, I think. Uh, I, I, I try to challenge myself I, by adding one more thing to well, your I sweat. already impressive list of credentials <laughs> i sweat more and more each time like oh boy i better i better do something good on this episode hey everybody <laughs> hey jimmy mack star wars and music aficionados welcome to volume 30 of star wars oxygen the music of john williams we've been looking at episode 7 the force awakens since its debut and since the soundtrack came out in december uh we are close to uh you know uh, we've rounded third. We're coming home, Jimmy, on uh, on looking at uh, at least our first round of, of The Force Awakens. I'm anxious to go back and finish episode three, but oh no, there is still more to talk about today. The Blu-ray came out, and uh, we all got to experience The Force Awakens all over again, digitally, on Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. Uh, we got uh, to hear the music again, and now, of course, I, we can look at it at our leisure and just... Um, you know, study this thing, which I have been doing a little. And there were even some bonus features. Uh, I think I've seen the movie, I don't know, three or four times since I got it on Blu-ray. Uh, you know, I've been skipping back and forth. I don't know. What about you, Jimmy? Oh, I just, are you kidding me? It's just on, it it's on now. Times. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, on in the uh, background right now. 
Yeah, don't, seriously, I, I, I watch it on my phone whenever I get a chance to take in, you know, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, whatever. Um, and, and it's great to watch it and listen with the headphones on because you pick up so much in the mix. Yeah. Uh, you know, from have, have there been some musical revelations you've picked up on that maybe were sort of hard to grasp when you saw The Force Awakens theatrically? You know, I, I musically, I spent so much time because of this show really diving in. It hasn't been musical so much, except for, you know, recently I started really uh, looking closely at Maz's uh, Cantina, which we will talk about today. We had some news there, of course. Um, but sound effects-wise, dialogue-wise, story-wise, visually, I've really been kind of diving in. And yeah, it's very different hearing it, you know, with your headphones on, on your phone, in your home theater system, you know, on your TV versus in a movie theater with everyone laughing and cheering where you miss things. So that's been really, really nice to just look at all the detail and love that went into this thing. Why don't we take a look at this uh, John Williams Seventh Symphony uh, special feature that was on here? Um it's funny because, you know, it's about six minutes long, a little longer than six minutes and um, almost seven minutes long, actually, now that I'm looking at it. It wasn't long enough for me. I wanted them to keep going. I wanted them to talk about every piece. Um, but uh, my first reactions, well, let me ask you this. What were your first reactions? Were there any revelations, especially being the co-host of this show? You know, anything that anybody said or that John Williams said um, that really struck you, Jimmy? You know, I, I'm not sure if I saw this in the documentary itself, but it just seems like Williams couldn't imagine anyone else composing music for Star Wars outside of himself. Um, I'm not sure if he he's, he talks about future films, and I know it's been in the news lately right. that that Williams may not be totally committed to the next two films of the of the sequel trilogy. But um, that's just something that's been weighing on my mind lately as far as John Williams goes. Is he yeah. going to be back for episode eight? I think he is. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know if he gave us any hints or clues on the Blu-ray uh, featurette. But uh, that's just something that I've been thinking about in concerns with John Williams lately. Well, let's we'll take a listen to that and find out. But uh, with regard to what you're bringing up and that's been in the news recently, apparently the story goes that somebody heard when he did a concert in Philadelphia, I believe, that they heard him say, you know, I told the producers that I'm not sure I want to come back for the next one, but I don't want anyone else doing it either. And he was kind of making a joke about his own ego and about wanting, you know, not wanting to let it go. But, you know, he's 84 years old, right? Almost 85, I believe. And, um, you know, it's, it is a big commitment. But I'm sure it's something that he holds very sacred. He's done seven of them. Um, you know, I, we can, only time will tell, right? But I think he's probably smart to, to not, you know, come out and say flat out, yep, I'm doing two more. Um, I'm hoping that that means we'll get some kind of an announcement um, post-Rogue One, I'm sure. Um, you know, and between now and then we can speculate. I'm just, I'm just glad he's considering it. Let's put it that way. Episode seven was great. I couldn't imagine getting another one of these. Well, I could, but, um, I, I haven't even like started really processing. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get another Star Wars score. I'm still focused on this one. Um, but in terms of how he, how he, uh, feels about it and whether he hinted anything in the documentary, I'm not sure, but let's just take a listen. The documentary kind of starts with, uh, J.J. Abrams saying he just wasn't prepared for how amazing it was going to be, uh, working with John Williams. 
You would think that after spending a couple years working on this movie and getting to work with Larry Kasdan and getting to work with Harrison Ford and getting to be on these incredible, beautifully designed sets, but then you go onto the scoring stage with John Williams. It's a whole other kind of godlike presence. And uh, when we did the very first Star Wars film, I didn't John have any idea. Sorry. Here's John Williams uh, kind of uh, reflecting back on uh, the Star Wars legacy, musical legacy. When we did the very first Star Wars film, I didn't have any idea there would be a second one. Perhaps George Lucas had that in his mind already. I really don't know. When you think of his role in not just modern cinema, but cinema, the idea that he and I got to work together on a Star Wars movie was thrilling. I remember the first LP I ever got. I remember my mother taking me to a record shop this and is I Brian chose Burke, the producer. Star Wars LP soundtrack and I just remember the double gatefold and listening to it over and over and how it emotionally moved me in a way that music had never moved me before. Johnny's been amazing. When he found out that we were doing another Star Wars movie, he couldn't have been more excited. So I think in John's mind, he was starting to compose very close to when we started shooting. He's had a wonderful time putting together this score, and I think he and J.J. have been a perfect match. You know what's interesting? I, I don't know. Stop me if I've told this story before, Jimmy, but I had a chance to hear John Williams' brother, Don Williams, the timpanist, speak. Okay. I didn't know that John had a brother named Don who played the timpani. He, he, he does. And Don Williams has played on a lot of uh, John Williams' scores. Um, I believe he played on The Force Awakens. Um, this was pre-Force Awakens. But he shared with a small group, this was a small uh, gathering, that... that um, you know, at one point he was playing golf with his brother, and uh, and every once in a while, John would just go quiet, and Don wouldn't let you know he doesn't interrupt when this happens because he knows he's probably working something musical out in his head, and he speculated at the time this must have been 2013, tw- maybe early 2014 that I heard him say this, that you know he's been banking themes for years. Uh, for this kind of stuff, and he thinks about it, you know, even when he's not on the piano, and that uh, even though he hadn't seen the movie, he had certain ideas for where themes could go. I thought that was very interesting. I don't know if, uh, you know, in in terms of The Force Awakens, uh, how much that applied, um, how much he knew going in, but I like the idea that... um, that what Kathy Kennedy said there just now, when he when they told him they were doing another Star Wars movie, he got very excited. I like that. Th- I like to think that maybe that made the maestro start spinning on 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 ideas or just kind of uh, making mental notes about where a seventh symphony would go. And I like that this is called the Seventh Symphony. It really is. You know what I'll say about this? Uh, I seem to be saying a lot right now, but you know what I'll say <laughs> about this Blu-ray documentary is that. It, I found it to be a very um, reassuring piece of information for Star Wars Oxygen because um, it didn't contradict anything that we've been saying. It kind of reinforced a few things, which was really, really nice. Um, let's continue on listening and uh, see if we can find any hints about uh, John Williams' feelings about moving forward in the future as well. At 83 years old, he is writing music that is as exciting and vital and beautiful and fresh as anyone to watch him with the orchestra conducting has been and continues to be an incredibly gratifying and a dream experience, truly. I have to say, I loved working with J.J. Abrams. He did speak to me about the 
feeling we would all want to have that this is Star Wars, and particularly connected, if we could, to the earlier films. There are references to earlier thematic connections between characters and music and so on throughout Star Wars, and that seemed a very natural thing to do, and combine it with new melodic material for the new characters and so on. For me, the thing about John's music is, it's like dialogue. It literally gives you a scene, and it's written so intricately to what the scene is. It's like if you cut a bit out, it's like cutting out a line. Wow, almost like a silent movie. <laughs> um, that was such a gratifying thing to hear because it's so true. You, it, He's telling the story with music, um, which is why I love Star Wars in concert so much. You know, you felt the story just listening to the orchestra play and, and just watching the visuals and nothing else. Um, that was the picture editor. Oh, I'm for, I'm blanking on her name, but uh, Bad Robot picture editor that was talking about um, about how the music tells a story, and and if you remove uh, you know even a note, sometimes an entire thing or a moment can just fall down a little. Um, that was very very gratifying to hear. Yeah, so let's move forward and uh, take a listen to some more of this. What are those themes that become? as iconic as the ones that we know today. That's his real challenge. Uh, Ray, for me, was particularly difficult. It's a kind of an adventure theme in a way. It's feminine, I think, but strong in the way that she is. This is a girl who's been a scavenger, she's been alone, she's without her parents. I felt a lot of empathy for this poor creature who's at once brilliant and can defend herself with that stick and speak all these weird languages. But you want to touch something in her that's vulnerable and that recognizes her need. This I love that. I love uh, that he basically said everything uh, everything about the theme that, that we were saying, you know. Um it's heroic, but it's also uh, got a, it's got a balance. It's not, it's not like Across the Stars or Leia's theme or Han and Leia's theme. It's not, you know, sort of steeped in romance. It's steeped in adventure, but it's also got some sorrow to it, but, but some, some forward motion in its rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, it's just very well articulated about Ray's theme. The way the theme is composed really does say a lot about Ray's character because there are moments within a composition where it contains music that elicits emotions of isolation, loneliness, and then it kind of, it builds gradually mm -hmm. to where it's vulnerable yet capable. It's much like Ray. Yeah. yeah, And, and it we... seems like there's a lot of discovery going on within the piece itself as it starts developing. And builds confidence in itself as a musical piece. And I think that also is a direct correlation to the hero's journey Ray goes on throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, the, we did that breakdown several episodes ago, you know, and, uh, and, and it's all in there and it really does build and it changes keys and, and it gets dark at points. Something like that, right? You know, it's got that kind of stuff in it. Um, it's it's it it's got it's doing a lot of work, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's got a lot of stuff going on in there, and uh, and he really, really clearly. I mean, it's the first thing they talk about in this documentary. So already, the filmmakers, you know, Lucasfilm is saying that this is 
probably the most central, core, important piece in the soundtrack. And I think we all instinctively knew that. Um, the whole soundtrack seems to be built around it, right? He goes on to talk a little bit more about themes, and he actually continues to talk about Ray's theme. Let's take a listen. This feeling that she's a creature who's above the earth and the sails and flies. I feel it again. The pull to the light. I approach the task of Kylo Ren really just as an extension of Darth Vader. If it could convey in a few short notes as the Imperial March does, this uh-huh. power, evil power, strength, threat. It needs to be something that will hit you and it's accessible right away. There it is. He's managed to make every movie he's worked on extraordinarily better. If you take John Williams out of Star Wars, it would be a fundamentally different experience. That's the truth. So many scenes. The first one that comes to my mind is the fight at the end of the film between Ray and Ren. It's powerful in the sense that we get principally three themes. Ray's theme, and certainly Ren when he's dominating her. And the Force theme carries through this thing in a very important way. Now, it's so interesting he says that. I've started working on my episode seven theme tracker, for those of you that have been keeping up with the show. It's not done yet, but I can already tell you, I I can already tell you, being about halfway through the movie, that by far and away, the themes that you hear over and over again in this movie are Ray's theme, Kylo Ren's theme, and the Force theme. I mean, they really are uh, the kind of three pillars here to this uh, to this soundtrack, and he John Williams himself calls it out, and how they all get woven together um, in the final battle. We've talked about that, and of course they are woven together. Race theme and the Force theme are are literally woven together in the end credits. We talked about that as well. Um, but uh, interesting to hear it's you know directly from the source. You know that's that's always uh, very encouraging. Let's uh, let's let's plow forward here. The trip to the island is Ray's theme. And as she begins to walk up what we call the Jedi Steps, the mountain, there's an entirely new piece. It has nothing to do with the rest of the school, which starts very softly, and it grows with her climbing. There's a kind of aspiration in it, if you like, if nothing else, than to just achieve the top of the mountain physically, which she does. So I love that, too, because, you know, it is a brand new piece that just appears late in the in the movie. You know, we we talked about Jedi Steps a lot. We talked about how it was related to other pieces, and the consensus was, well, no, it really is its own kind of new thing. Um, yeah. You know, the closest thing I found linking Jedi Steps back to Ray is at the beginning of the movie in the scavenger queue, right? You get this little bit of uh, flute here that does this. Just that act of, um, where is it? This, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, but it's just, a, you know? 
that's as close as I could get. And that's a stretch, right? You know, just yeah. that flute. Um... Versus... Uh... You know, I just, I just don't, I don't see a connection. It is its own piece. It's got its own life, and uh, it's really nice to hear John Williams say that. Yes, and, and it's a theme that I believe he created specifically for this moment. I don't think it's a theme that's going to be recurring in future Star Wars films. Maybe there might be a nod to it here or there, but I don't see it repeating itself. Much like Ray's theme shows up throughout the entire soundtrack. Not like the Force theme keeps coming back over and over again or the Imperial March. I think that this Jedi Steps music is specifically and exclusively for the Jedi Steps scene at the end of the film. Interesting. So you don't... I actually uh, hadn't really considered that. I actually... Well, I hadn't thought about it one way or the other, to be honest. I, Well, that's not true. I could see it showing up in Episode Eight, but you think that this is going to be... Really kind of the last time that we revisit that uh, that theme. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we might get a callback, but I don't think it's going to be a recurring theme. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I, yeah, I mean, and I love the music, too. I mean, I'm not judging the music. I just think it's the right music for the right time of the story. Oh, yeah. And it blends in really nicely with the uh, finale. And... Um, and it's it's a, it's like a very special and almost sacred moment in Star Wars history. Yeah. That should be memorialized with its own piece of music. Yeah. Um maybe so. I mean it really is it really is something that um they must have put great emphasis and importance on for them to write an all new piece for this moment. Um, with thematic material that is not tied back to anything else, because the journey to the island, and we've covered this, t- you know, before, it is Ray's theme stated again, you know, uh, as they're Chewie and Ray are in the Falcon going to hyperspace and they make it, you know, make it to the island. Um, but this is an all new piece, um, which we have talked about in the show. Just very nice to hear that again from John Williams. Uh, let's finish this up and we can talk a little bit more about themes here. Luke has revealed musically to us and to her, and as she offers the lightsaber, we hear the Force theme. Ah, finally, John Williams. We no longer have to call it Obi-Wan, a.k.a. Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme. (laughs) We have now officially heard it from John Williams. Yes, it started, it is the Force theme. I think we all knew that, obviously, but... You know, just nice for to hear him refer to his own themes and uh, and give us a, sort of a, a guidance on what we should be calling these things. Right now, is that a first for Williams to refer to the Force theme that way? Uh, I don't know. Um, I well, in the original liner notes, he called it uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's theme, yeah. and uh, I just couldn't recall him just talking about those themes specifically with a name. But for him to just so clearly just say it's the Force theme, you know. Uh, in 2015 or 16 or whenever they shot that, you know, it's kind of nice to know what we're at least supposed to be calling it now, you know? Um, so yeah, I'll take it. We'll take it. Force theme official. It's canon. It's Williams canon. That's right. That's right. The force theme. 
and the Force theme evolves into the Star Wars fanfare, which is the end of the film. I felt very happy to be able to continue adding to this glossary of themes from film to film. That's good. I don't know how many more of them I can do, but having kept up with them this long, I feel very fortunate indeed to have been able to do it. I think one more standing ovation is necessary for the absolutely incomparable John Williams. Thoughts? Thoughts about that last statement that he made? I don't know how much longer I, I you know, how many of them I can keep doing, but I feel very fortunate to have gone this far. What do you think? Well, I'd still like to believe that as long as he's capable, that he'll maintain his ownership of Star Wars soundtrack music and he'll continue on with episode eight. You know, it's funny how the language has sort of changed. Um Immediately following the announcement that he would be working on The Force Awakens, it was assumed by many that that just meant he would be doing the entire trilogy. But I think that sort of reporting and using that sort of language in reports about John Williams' work on the sequel trilogy, it's kind of died down a little bit to the point where we can consider the fact that there is no confirmed composer for Episode Eight as of this time, as of May 2016. But uh, I hope we get the official announcement soon that John Williams will be back to do the score for Episode 8. But at this point, I think it's anyone's guess. I think the only one who really knows for sure is John Williams himself. And maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he maybe. just has to see how he feels, you know, when it's time to start working on the score in earnest, you know. But um, I imagine that if he's intrigued by the story and and uh, feels it feels good and is attached to the characters that he'll want to continue forward. And it sounds like he's very proud of The Force Awakens, proud of Ray's theme. Um, I can tell you here in Los Angeles, there has been a ton of hoopla about the fact that he's recorded here. He, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I have a friend who worked for the city and was there uh, present at an, at an award that he was given by the city of Hollywood for uh, bringing, uh, you know, for the work that he does in Los Angeles. And then they cited most recently The Force Awakens being recorded locally as something that, uh, you know, the city was very proud of, you know. So um, uh, maybe he'll want to continue doing those things. You know, we can only only speculate. But um, and to be fair to reporters out there, you know, Kathy Kennedy, I was there in Celebration Europe in uh, July of 2013 when she said John Williams has agreed to come back and do the uh, the Star Wars, the new Star Wars films plural. And maybe she misspoke and maybe uh, maybe things have changed since then. Obviously, that was, you know, uh, almost three years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right, Jimmy. The narrative has changed. Um, but yeah. Oh, speaking of Kylo Ren's theme, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, since he talked about it, I love that he basically said, yeah, it's just a short little five note motif so that you know immediately who he is, just like uh, Darth Vader. You know how we were talking about... Um, we were talking about the Hateful Eight winning the Oscar over The mm -hmm. Force Awakens. Yes. Um, allow me to stir the pot, Jimmy. <laughs> okay. No, Let's no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't mean to stir the pot. I actually am just, uh, I, I just, I picked up the Hateful Eight soundtrack and saw the movie, loved the movie. 
Obviously, mm-hmm. for anyone listening, it is not for kids. Uh, it is very, very adult and could offend, you know, uh, more sensitive uh, eyes and ears. But uh, Morricone uh, did did a great score. You know, he did exactly what he needed to for, for that movie. And it is very Tarantino through and through. So I picked up the soundtrack and I heard a theme that uh, that just made me laugh after our conversation of of whether or not, uh, you know, John Williams should have won or not. And it just goes to show that two movies, you know, being written and scored and composed and released around the same time can have musical similarities, Jimmy, completely independent of each other. Check this out. This is a cue by uh, Morricone from uh, The Hateful Eight. And, uh, you know, it was a very ominous score and, uh, you know, very uh, big snowy landscapes and open chords here. But the score does get dark. Um, And I want you to pay close attention to some notes that are coming up here in just a few seconds. Check this out. Here they come. What? <laughs> okay, now it's different. Okay. <laughs> I was I was getting concerned that all of a sudden <laughs> Kylo Ren would show up. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, Kylo Ren in a Tarantino movie. I just I, thought that just was the a, thought of that alone is extremely intriguing. I'd see that movie. I'd see that movie, but it, it it's just you know oh the irony to end all ironies that uh, that John Williams lost out to Morricone and um, they were there was at, at least one similarity between the scores uh, and that was that uh, little five note motif minus one note it seems like what if there was collusion between Morricone and Williams to include the same little uh, five note theme in each film. That's like right. he left it on his answering machine or something. <laughs> yeah, like there's a contest. Let's yeah. just let's just punk the academy. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Rancho Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, as recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan right now to get exclusive access to tours of Rancho Obi-Wan hosted by Steve Sansweet, invites to special events, and more. Plus, you can also make a difference and help Rancho Obi-Wan grow with a simple donation of $1 or higher. Visit RanchoObiWan.org now to get the latest news, become a member, or make a donation. RanchoObiWan.org. We want to thank our sponsor for this episode, Casper.com. Casper is the online retailer when it comes to purchasing premium mattresses for a fraction of the price of the other guys. A Casper mattress provides resilience and long-lasting supportive comfort. Casper mattresses are one of a kind. We are talking progressive. We are talking modern. We are talking high-tech. New hybrid mattresses that combine premium latex foam with memory foam. So after a while, your mattress gets to know you and it 
really becomes your mattress. Of course, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. I mean, you really need that amount of time to determine whether or not it is the mattress for you. Do it all from the privacy of your own home, shop online, free delivery, and you get that 100-day period to decide whether or not it's the mattress for you. Rebel Force Radio listeners can save $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash RFR. When you go to checkout, be sure to use the promo code RFR and you will get $50 toward any mattress purchase. Of course, terms and conditions apply. Casper.com, we thank them so much for their support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. Casper.com slash RFR. What other news did we have? Well, we had a really big uh, new piece of music that was released on May the 4th. How was your May the 4th, Jimmy? Was it good? Well, it was it was good. I mean, I, I was knee deep in Star Wars activity. It was I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to be doing. I was uh I was at a rally protesting oh, yes, the museum. <laughs> protesting um the people who are putting up the roadblock preventing the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Art to be built in Chicago. So we took it to the streets. We uh were activists, myself. Michael Whitwer and a crew of a bunch of other people. And uh, we had people from all over the Chicago area and beyond. And uh, we were out there on State Street in downtown Chicago, outside of the Friends of the Park, the building where their offices are, the Friends of the Parks. And uh, we were letting them, we were giving them the what for and uh, letting them have an earful about why the Lucas Museum should be built in Chicago. So that's how I spent my May the 4th. Well, did you, you might have missed it then. There was a musical announcement on May the 4th. Small, yes, but I, appreciated. I did not miss this one. This has, has been something that I've been anticipating for quite a while now. Oh, finally, finally, Maz's Cantina Music, Jabba Flow, was released. For any of you that missed it. I can't imagine anyone listening to this show missed it. But if you did, Jabba Flow, the uh, the Force Awakens Cantina song, was uh, made available on iTunes. And uh, so everyone, I'm sure, went to go and download it. And we have it here. Um, Did you see the way that it was announced? The way that it was announced? Was this with um, J.J. Abrams? Yes. And and Miranda? And they were out, I don't know where they were, but they had an upright bass. They had a guy with a weird sort of mouth harp harmonica kind of thing. and. Yes. And uh and a guitarist and they they actually performed Jabba Flow. Yes. So it was interesting to see Lynn Manuel Miranda actually singing it. Yeah. He's the guy doing the lead vocal, but the thing that shocked me more than anything was just the title, Jabba Flow. Yes. Uh, what what are we supposed to take out of that title? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, no. Um I don't I don't know. Well, actually, we should have a whole discussion about this. But yeah, let's just for context, for everyone listening to the show, I have the audio of of the announcement here. And um, my understanding of how this went down is that, first of all, for those of you that don't know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is the writer and star of the Broadway smash sensation Hamilton right? For those of you who haven't heard about Hamilton, it is breaking all kinds of records. It was just nominated for 16 Tony Awards, which is huge. I think it broke a record for most nominations for a single musical ever. Um, You can't get tickets. Tickets are going for like $1,000, you know. Day of tickets, there's a huge demand. 
And my understanding is that they do this show for people trying to get tickets, you know, in Midtown, in Manhattan, called Ham to Ham uh, for big uh, musical theater and Hamilton fans listening. If I'm getting this wrong, please write in and correct us. Show at rebelforceradio.com. But this is my understanding. Uh, They're trying to get tickets to the hottest show in town, Hamilton. And Lin-Manuel Miranda will come out and do a little, uh, you know, a little um, show for those people trying to get tickets. And on May the 4th, uh, this is what went down. He came outside, outside the theater, showing Hamilton in Midtown, and uh, was greeted by, of course, a huge uh, group of people, all with uh, cameras. And uh, he surprised everyone by introducing J.J. Abrams. Let's take a listen. He just said, may the fourth be with you. Uh, the uh, PA is a little distorted on this, but you'll get the idea. I had the good pleasure of um, getting to contribute a song on the latest Star Wars movie. I co-wrote it with someone who's incredible and is not known as a composer and performer, but is one and is making his Broadway singing debut on these steps today. Please give it up for J.J. Abrams. And then you hear him knock on the, on the stage door and suddenly J.J. just appears. This is a great story that they tell about the origin of this song. Uh, thank you for coming to sing with us. Uh, please, I, I came to see Hamilton uh, about a year ago, and I got to, well, whatever it was, and I got to run into this gentleman at intermission, and he has a joke, said, if you need music for the cantina, I'm your guy. <laughs> and I said, you're not going to believe this, I need music for the cantina. <laughs> and so we wrote the song that we're going to sing for you today. Um, just, um, no one really knows, it's actually in Huttese, Jabba the Hutt's language. I went to a website that had all of the Huttese glossary of terms, and it translates as, no lover lover, it wasn't me. It's literally a shaggy intergalactic remix. That's terrifying. And now they play it on the streets of New York. And uh, JJ is singing here, and they have this repeating phrase here. Say it with us. Oh, Java. There's that voice. And JJ singing background vocals. Now here's a funny thing. JJ's a ham. <laughs> no. He just stops and he decides to give a little monologue under this van. Would this song ever be available for the people? And, and it is today. Today it's available! Go to StarWars.com or download it on iTunes. Happy May the 4th be with you. So you get the idea. 
you get the idea. Uh, so what was the, what were the notes that the guitarist was playing? What were those chords? Uh, it sounds to me like it's it's in. I th- feel like they're tuned down because it's in uh, it's in G flat or F sharp. You know, uh, so they're probably tuned down. I'm just gonna play it uh, in G actually. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I'll play it in G here. It's only co- there's only two chords. Yeah. Oh, job <laughs> Yep. Right. So it's. It's reggae, right? The thing is reggae. Totally. It's totally reggae. So here's the uh, actual uh, track here. Let's take a listen. It's cool percussion. So I have a question for you. Sure. Is that J.J. Abrams singing background vocals in this? I was going to ask that question to you. It's so heavily processed. I think it, it sounds is. Like he's, he sounds like he's going through a vocal harmonizer. I think it is. After watching him sing it on the streets like that, and the two of them clearly co-wrote it together and collaborated on it. That sounds like him, right? That sounds like J.J. Abrams to me. I think it is. I, I think it is. I think we should just say it is because it's way more fun and cool if it is. I think it is. I, I think that has been confirmed. I, I think actually uh, when it was revealed that Lin-Manuel Miranda was actually composing the, the theme for Maz's Castle, you know, I, my son gets on my, my butt all the time. We were talking about Maz Kanata, and I referred to Maz's Palace. <laughs> he goes, Dad, it's not, it's Mars. It's not Maz. Listen to you, Maz's Palace. It's a thousand-year-old watering hole on Takadana. It's a watering hole. <laughs> this watering <laughs> hole's been here for thousands, for millennia. You think I'd know the line by now. Um, but yeah, it's for old, sure. and she's old. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, but well, but you know, um, when it was announced that that uh, Miranda was was composing the music, I think they did say that JJ actually is performing on it, or you can hear his voice on it, or something. See, I Toward didn't know. Toward the it, end, I could really tell. I could yeah. really hear him very clearly. See, I didn't know that Lin Manuel Miranda did it until I sit, stayed and watched the credits, and I was like, oh my god, the guy from Hamilton like co wrote this. Wow, you know, I had no idea, and I'm sure there was a great story there. And of course, now we. We heard it. He went to go see Hamilton and and met uh, Lin Manuel Miranda at intermission, and uh, and then of course um, uh, the the two of them you know had an exchange. Hey, if you ever need someone for the cantina, and of course at that time nobody knows anything about Episode Seven. He was just being flip, right? And he's like, uh, "There is a cantina, and I do need music. So yes, let's do it. How cool would that be?" And then it just happens. 
What do you think of the music? I mean, what do you think of this uh, reggae? Of course, you know, this is the first piece of really source music that we've gotten in a Star Wars film since uh, Dex's Diner, right? This is uh, in-world music that the characters can hear, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think? Well, I love it. Being a a reggae fan myself, I dig the groove. I read. But... um... I, I, I thought it was a really cool little exotic piece when it was featured in the film. And it was one of the first things I went looking for when I purchased the soundtrack. Mm. I wasn't surprised when I saw it had been excluded from the soundtrack, knowing it wasn't a John Williams piece of music. But still, on the other side of the coin, I was really hoping to hear it. <laughs> so yeah. um, it was such a great surprise on May the 4th when it was finally released. But definitely a cool little piece something I would have liked to have heard a little bit more of in the film itself, along with seeing more of all of the uh, aliens gathered together at Maz's, uh, Maz's palace. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I love it. I love it. And, and I asked you about the guitar chords because it's something like I want to jam on, you know, I want to, yeah. I want to, this is the first piece of Star Wars music I think that's ever come out outside of the main theme and Duel of the Fates and the Imperial March where I said, I want to jam it on guitar. Yeah, it's just F sharp major and B major over and over again, right? It's just those two chords over and over again. Um, You can always capo or or play it in G and C on a guitar if you want. But yeah, it's just those two chords over and over. Um, You know, reggae is is all about the groove and putting you in that zone. And, and, uh, you know, it is supposed to be... um, you know, uh, quarterly, very simple, as opposed to sort of the Benny Goodman cantina music of episode four. But, you know, the Return of the Jedi stuff, Dex's Designer stuff, that was all very uh, straightforward and simple, too. Um, reggae for people that are, you know, I'm not a reggae expert, you know, but I can tell you, you know, you can easily spot it right away by sort of the um, the uptick. Um, chuck, chuck, um, chuck, mm-hmm. yep. um, chuck. And typically reggae... Um, you know, depending on how you count it, if you count it one and two and three and four, or if you count it one, two, three, four, you know, then it's like, mm, check, bah, check, dum, check, bah. so it's like fast and slow at the same time, which is what re- makes reggae so interesting. It's like, mm, check, ga, check, dum, do, check, ga. as opposed to, dum, do, get, do, do, get, dum, do, get. you know, it's like, it's got that kind of like uplifting quickness, but it's got that really laid back slowness at the same time. And that's what kind of gives it its energy and tension. And, and uh, I really like that there's reggae in Star Wars. It's a it's a new <laughs> choice. It's very different. You know, for all the people that could, you know, say, oh, well, that's just a big rehash of episode four. This sure isn't, you know. No, no. I mean, it, all it is is reminding us that there is music in Star Wars, but it's it's totally different. Like you said, if we could compare the Cantina band and their theme music, their main theme, that's like you said, it's like Benny Goodman, swing jazz um, yeah, and they, but they, I mean, but they make it exotic by you know throwing in you know some steel drums or something synth bass, steel drums, synth, yeah. yes, and um, so we know that that sort of swing music exists in the Star Wars universe. We had Lopty Neck, which was kind of a rock pop sort of piece, along with Jedi Rocks, which is more pop than rock. Yeah. Um, what other music have we had? We had some. Some other weird music in Jabba's Palace that was yeah. sort of... Uh, we had uh, Jabba's Baroque Recital. Yeah. And yeah, we had a... Uh, uh-huh. And we had a piece that was, um, you know, uh, not released that... Don't, 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 
you know that kind yeah, of yeah. like that's that's funk. kind of like a Herbie Hancock jazz funky jazz funk song. disco kind of yeah that's funk so we got we got big band swing we got pop rock we got baroque we got funk and now we got reggae in Star Wars yeah so. yeah and yeah there's Dex's Diner yeah there's the Ewoks yeah there's other you know sources of source music but what I like about this kind of thread here is that this is specifically a band in a bar and mm-hmm. how does it kind of relate to other bands in a bar and and I've I've kind of gone around the horn on this so like for example what do you think about the fact that it's in Hatiz and it is always mentioning Jabba do you have any thoughts or opinions on that I get that's the weird thing I thought why the reference to Jabba is it the same Jabba I'm thinking obviously yes Jabba flow? What is that? A dance? Is that a drink? What is that? A Jabba flow? Or is that something Jabba does when he's been overserved? Who knows? Or is it I just don't the flow know why of the, the reference to Jabba. I understand the Hutties, and uh-huh. I appreciate the uh, nod toward authenticity and keeping uh, Hutties alive as a language within the watering holes of the universe. But why the nod toward Jabba? Is Jabba sort of a folk hero here 30 years after his death? Is, was Jabba a folk hero when he was alive? Would hmm. it be common to hear a song about Jabba, you know? Like, like think of a song today, you know? Uh, you got a, like a Hey Joe, uh, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Hey Jabba, where are you going with that frog in your hand? You know, I mean, there's so many different things we can uh, <laughs> expand upon this theme with, but I just find that Jabba. So, I mean, just like... Instead of Cy Snoodle singing Lopty Neck, what if she was singing, you know, um, uh, Mace Windu? You know, I mean, it just it seems weird to have an in-universe nod via the pop culture of that universe. Yeah. It, you know, and a character like Jabba, who's just so well-known to Star Wars, to, to Star Wars fans, it just seems an odd choice, kind of... Uh, it kind of lacks a little creativity, in my opinion. Mm. And I was surprised to hear that that's what they were singing in it. But, um, but hey, you know, it's a nod to the big slug, so I'm down with it. Well, can I tell you, I, uh, I've kind of gone around the horn on this and uh, had... I, ju- I think I just did. Well, <laughs> I yeah. I completely you, did. No, you did. You did. You kind of went from, I don't... Well, it's cool, but I don't know. But I'm yeah, fine. I know. You know, I, I think... Um, and I'll tell you why I went around the horn on this. So when I first heard this, I was like, well... Okay, I went to a website and it's Hutties, and that just seems like kind of like I'm a level one Star Wars mage, right? Here's the thing, though. Um, the more I thought about this song being in Hutties and having you know Jabba mentioned in, in it, it actually, if you think about the precedence of cantina music, it actually makes a lot of sense, and you can cite a lot of like really deep. Um, not just film stuff, but EU stuff to back it up. Not only A, that it's in Hutties, but B, that Jabba would have songs written about him, you know, or at least in his honor. Um, I was at a used uh, CD store, because I still buy records and CDs, and uh, found a used copy of something that was marked rare on it at Amoeba Music. It was the audio drama for the short story from Tales of the Most Sizely Cantina, that book from 1995, all about Figrin Dawn and the modal nodes, and it's called We Don't Do Weddings, The Band's Tale. And that was actually one of my favorite books because it reminded me very much of uh, Canterbury Tales, you know, that uh, old, I think it's Chaucer, 
that wrote that. Um, you know, and it, it had all these different tales and the band's tale was all about how Figure and Don and the modal nodes, and that's where their name came from was that yep. short story in that 95 book. Um, I remember devouring it at the time. Mm-hmm. They escaped Jabba's palace cause they'd been there forever. They, they kind of, um, got a, They didn't even get out of their contract. They just left. They couldn't take it anymore. They wanted to get off the world, but you know, uh, Figure and Don had a gambling problem and that it was take. It was all like, you know, I think from the clarinet or the reed player's point of view, talking about Figurin and, and the rest of the band. And uh, they end up getting involved in this like whippet wedding and that, you know, it goes kind of crazy because this bounty comes up for Solo and Wu Hair, the bartender's there and eventually, you know, offers them a job to play at the cantina long enough in order to have money to get off world as long as Figure Don doesn't keep gambling it away. It's like this whole tale, whatever. But I loved the idea that there would be these constant uh these bands these traveling bands that would get involved with gangsters because there's like real life uh precedence for that you know the la music scene dried up because it all moved to vegas why because of the mob and mm-hmm. and you know they own the vegas strip and the rat pack you know the the sinatras and the and the uh and all those folks um we're all hanging out with with mobsters and the great american songbook as we know it you know um, it's like these songs, you would be in Huttese, just like the Great American Songbook is in English. And yeah, there would probably be references to, you know, Luck Be a Lady Tonight in Las Vegas or things like that. Or maybe Jabba would be in there, you know, that there would be these like Star Wars classic songs that bands cover, you know, about the days of the great Jabba the Hutt, who we know is famous in the Star Wars underworld, not just from uh, Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, but all the way back to the Phantom Menace and certainly in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So it actually, whether, you know, whether it, like they went this deep about, should we make it in Huttese because of Figure Dawn? <laughs> I doubt it. But I'm I, like, as someone that just geeked out really hardcore on it, I uh, definitely made my peace and more with this. I actually uh, love that it's in Huttese and I'd take, you know, authentic translatable Huttese over, you know, something that wasn't given as much thought. So yes, I dig yeah. it. I thought, yeah, the nod to authenticity is highly appreciated as, as opposed to just coming up with a bunch of gobbledygook. And, um, Oh yeah. I, I love that. You, you remind me of the tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina book, because like you, that was a book that I devoured. Yeah. And, and I loved it. I mean, we were ready as star Wars fans in the mid nineties for a book like that, that yeah. gave us stories in great detail about the personalities that inhabited the Moss Eisley Cantina. And it that named was them perfect. all. It named them all for the first time. Yes, like yes. no longer mm-hmm. was Walrus Man, Walrus Man. He was Ponda Baba. Ponda Baba. You know, well, he'll you had, always be Walrus Man to me. Right, but, but you uh, had the Tonica <laughs> twins. You had uh, yeah. Move Tack and Cabe. You had yeah. um, uh, Doctor Ed Zavzabas Block and Ponda Baba. <laughs> Momana Don. Momana Don. Oh, the Hammerhead thing was like, oh, don't call him Hammerhead. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. you know, that's specious. You know, like the idea of that was like, wow, of course, yeah, right, like right. they're. They're herbologists and they're, they're like, they're, they're hippie aliens that, you know, don't call them that. That's horrible. You know, I love that idea. Hammerhead. Really? Really? Yeah. And and the fact that the modal nodes played weddings too. They were a wedding band. They, you know, they were, they they, don't play weddings, but they had to in this case. Well, they had to, they had to. So they played the whippid wedding. Yes. The whippid, um, that just begs the question, of course. Did the modal nodes cover Devo's Whippet at the Whippet wedding? Well, that's just a, that's just a missed opportunity if they didn't. Yeah, right? the, let's be honest. To, you'd have to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Whippet. <laughs> Whippet. Whippet good. 
But yeah, um, you know what's funny? Like a little side story about um, about Java Flow. My wife uh, kept saying, you know, I love that music in the cantina. I said, yeah. And I was like, and she's like, yeah, that Jakku song. And I was like, no, you mean the cantina? She goes, yeah, I know it's on the cantina, but they say Jakku in the song. And I was like, no, no, they don't. And she's like, all right, we're going to go see it again. And you're going to hear that they go, Jakku, Jakku, Jakku. And I was like, <laughs> what? Really? No, no. Sure enough. You know, now that we've got it, uh, now that we've got it here on uh, Blu-ray, I have a clip for, for you. I'm just going to play a little bit. Now that you hear the Ojaba, you're get, you're never going to not hear it. By the way, okay. Um, but beyond that, take a listen to um, this uh, this clip and see if you can hear them go Jaku Jaku. I'll point it out when it comes. Here's a clip from The Force Awakens and how we hear and how we first heard Jabba flow. And there's the classic record scratch bit, just like in the in the cantina, right? Hey, Moz. Hey, Moz. <laughs> Where's my boyfriend? Chewie's working on the Falcon. I like that Wookiee. I assume you need something desperately. It, the music works for this Let's scene. Get to it. Now, did you hear this? Listen to this. I heard that a whisper. She was like, "Achaku, achaku." And and the thing is, on that shot, you act, that's actually probably one of the longest shots you actually get of the actual band is on that right. shot where they're just kind of grooving, like the guy with the hat and long hair in the background, just kind of like doing that cool little head bob groove, and you get. He does it like five times. Um, but anyway, so uh, I I also like that it's reggae just because I think the visuals that that the creature department put together just kind of lend itself to that like steady little groove, whatever they're grooving to on set, even if they, even if it was nothing. Um, I like it. I like it. But I, did you hear I, the Jakku you whisper? Me, you know, I I don't know if I'm hearing that or if I'm hearing the whisper saying Jabba. It's it's almost like that, oh. where it's saying Jabba flow, but it could be Jakku. It's probably know. not Jakku. I'm just telling you that that's that's that was like, that was how the conversation went in December of 2015 in my household. It's the Jakku <laughs> song, but it's not. Well, on well hey, you know, it, everything is getting presented to us with more clarity and more definition. Exactly, as we get to know this movie more and more. You know, um, yeah. I think a lot of people were shocked and surprised that. After seeing The Force Awakens one, two, three, or even five times, that I think people felt like they would be instantly familiar with it as they have been with all the other Star Wars films without the benefit of time <laughs> and, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. time spent with the film. So, um, so all of these little things are just making the whole experience cooler and cooler. Yeah, and it continues so to reveal says itself. She hears Jakku Jakku whispered over and over again. I'm I'm rolling with it for now at least. But well, I would like to offer this challenge because I searched on Google 
for Jabba Flow lyrics, and I want to see them. And there is no one who has actually put the lyrics up there yet. So if if you feel so inclined to uh, actually transcribe the lyrics in Hatties, I don't want the English translation. Um, Jabba Flow, it says some of the lyrics translate to no lover, lover, it wasn't me, according to Miranda. Yes. Uh, which he says then makes it sound like a shaggy intergalactic remix. And there but, is a um, song, there is a song called It Wasn't Me. In fact, there's a Wikipedia article on this already that's that's appeared in the last week. Um, and sure enough, you've got some kind of similar here. I've got it here. Let me turn it down because it's mastered really loudly. So there's like this is kind of... Okay, I, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. And there's, they do this like. There's this kind of thing. Ojaba. <laughs> uh, it wasn't me. Ojaba. Like it's got a very sort of similar call back and forth. But, uh, you know, I think that that's probably what he was referring to when he said it was an intergalactic shaggy remix. I get it. I get it. But so I'm throwing it out there for anyone listening to the show. I want a full transcription of the lyrics in Hutties. What does he say? Oh, morning. Whatever you think it sounds like. Uh, I, I just like to see. Because like I said, I want to jam to this. Yeah. But uh, my time is tight. And I, don't, I, I can't transcribe it. So I'll give someone a little Debbie Galactic snack pack if uh, they want to, for the first person who can actually provide me with some sort of uh, borderline legitimate transcription of the lyrics of Jabba Flow. Well, it's so, no lover, lover, it wasn't me, oh Jabba. So my address oh, is 1234 Fake Street. Um, <laughs> no, do I not get, I don't qualify? Okay. No, you you don't qualify, sir. <laughs> okay. Because uh, you, you are a member of the crew. But right, right, right. if you do need some, I can make it happen for you. No, that's okay. I'll, I'll wait till Orlando. How's that? I know a guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you do. By the way, <laughs> in the credits of uh, The Force Awakens, speaking of uh, Maz's watering hole cantina, um, there is a credit for another song besides Jabba Flow, by the way, called mm-hmm. Dobra Dumpa. Did you see this in the credits? I didn't see this in the credits. You brought this up to me before. Yeah. And I'm not really familiar. I think it, it might be playing in the background where they're sitting at the table with Maz discussing... Uh, Maz getting them safely to uh, the resistance and she refuses them and everything and tells Han to quit running away from his responsibility. Um, I, at that moment, there might have been some other music playing in the background I didn't recognize. So I've got a clip to see if we can kind of try and pick it out here of exactly the moments you're talking about. Here, let's take a listen and see if we can hear what may or may not be, I'm assuming it is, uh, Dobra Dumpa. A map to Skywalker himself. You are right back in the mess. Mars, I need you to get this droid to Leia. No. You've been running away from this fight for too long, Han. What is it like a... Uh, 
Uh, just I'm just guessing, right? It's I, I you know I thought I could hear a bass line in there, but it's something like that. You know what I mean? To Skywalker himself. You are right back in the mess. Mars. So this kind of funky, funky bass line thing. Boom. No. You've been running away from this fight. So I think it's just kind of a jam. Yeah. It's like a jam going on back there is like, uh, you know, source source underscore there. You got Stanley Clark back there circa 1975 with totally. Pro laying down the bass line. <laughs> totally, yeah. Stanley Clark, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's something going on there now. They're just out over there. But that's a, that's a funky band that Moz has got in her Castle Palace Cantina place. And I love it. I love Jabba Flow, and I love what Lin-Manuel Miranda did with the piece, and J.J. Abrams, for that matter. And So, you know, it's not necessarily the music of John Williams, but it certainly is part of the oxygen of Star Wars. And as we start to move forward and progress with the show, I mean, my goodness, David, we're already wrapping up volume 30 here. We're going to keep talking about Star Wars music, and I think this is going to pretty much exhaust our current conversation and analysis of star wars episode seven the force awakens and uh until rogue one comes out which is a soundtrack we definitely will be paying close attention to uh we're going to be filling in the gap with all sort of star wars conversation i believe david the plan is to get into the music that uh we we never finished talking about from Revenge of the Sith, Episode 3. So we're going to start getting back into that music. I know a lot of you guys listening to the show definitely wanted us to continue our analysis of Episode 3 because we were sort of incomplete there. Uh, We got overwhelmed by The Force Awakens, just like all of fandom did. So I I know we're in good company. I mean, what else has there been to talk about uh, as far as Star Wars goes for the last six months. It's been dominated by The Force Awakens. But now we're starting to spread our wings a little bit more and get back into the rich history of Star Wars and Star Wars soundtracks. So we'll be jumping back and talking a little bit more about Episode 3 on uh, Volume 31, which should be coming next month. And, uh, of course, we'll jump around a little bit, too. I know some people want to hear us talk a little bit about Kevin Kiner's music from Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars. I think we'll we'll be able to attack some of that. And uh, even some John Williams music outside of the Star Wars universe, if we should uh, start to to dig deeper into his career. But for the most part, we're going to keep it locked on Star Wars here. And uh, we're just going to keep moving forward with this thing. And uh, if you have any suggestions or recommendations or requests for us to talk about specific tracks from the Star Wars uh, soundtracks, be sure to drop us a line, show at rebelforceradio.com. Of course, you can uh, find me on Twitter, Jimmy Mac Radio, uh, David W. Collins, also on Twitter, and uh, we're on the Facebook. And the headquarters for all things Rebel Force Radio is rebelforceradio.com. So, David, well, thanks a lot, man. I'm, I'm glad we finally got a nice, clean copy of Jabba Flow to listen to and uh, figure out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it it's nice. Yeah, and boy, it's, it's funny because I, I definitely, um, definitely want to get back to Episode 3. We've been talking about The Force Awakens for quite a long time. Um, uh, you know, we were away in the month of April uh, because of scheduling, and now, of course, we're back. We want to move back into episode three. 
However, I will say that the next episode of Oxygen, Oxygen, we still have a little bit of episode seven. I don't think we're going to ever really start stop talking about episode seven, but we need to, or I really want to, and I know you too, you do too, Jimmy, start uh, focusing major chunks of the show back on episode three and doing real episode three volumes. But uh, since we're out of time today, um, I do want to tease a little bit about what's coming up next next time on Star Wars Oxygen in volume 31. So I have a little bit of restored music from The Force Awakens that I'll play. Uh, nothing huge, not like what we did for Empire Strikes Back, more along the lines of what we did for Return of the Jedi. But there is some restored music uh, that I want to check out next time that's ready to go from The Force Awakens. And uh, I will be done with my Force Awakens theme tracker, so I will give you cues and themes by the numbers for The Force Awakens at the top of that next show. Uh, of course, listener feedback is always welcome. We didn't get to that today, but we'll get to that next time. And then I want to focus back and finish up on Revenge of the Sith. After that, Jimmy, the sky's the limit. And uh, <laughs> we still have more soundtracks coming our way shortly, whether it's John Williams, which I, I hope, um, you know, or not. We will always tie it back to the maestro John Williams. And most importantly, we'll be talking about the music that drives our favorite franchise in that galaxy far, far away. Star Wars and uh, all of its musical journeys. So definitely keep the uh, feedback coming at us. Show at rebelforceradio.com and uh, we'll uh, we'll be sure to uh, feature some listener feedback along with more great analysis of music from all seven of the Star Wars films and beyond. <laughs> so for David W. Collins and Rebel Force Radio Star Wars Oxygen, I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you, always. Say it with me now. Good job, Austin.